Flavour Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavour Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs. And the Odyssey continues. Welcome back. Hello, Cigar Dojo. Welcome to A Flavor Odyssey. I am your host tonight, Randy Griggs. Our faithful and true Robbie Raz not able to join us. We look forward to having Rob back next week, but I am joined as always, by our trusty producer and friends out in Colorado, Eric and Jordan. How are you guys doing? What did, what did you do to Robbie, Randy? What did you do? Well, well you know, what he kept do? talking over me on the show, <laughs> and uh, we'll see if he makes it back next week. We'll see. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, making his premiere debut on the show... Quinn Loads. There Quinn, it is. how are you? I'm doing great tonight. If you don't know Quinn, he is a rep for JSK. JSK! Um, among other things. A couple other things. And he's a total beer nerd. You've <laughs> probably so it, seen him in the background of our shows. It seems Indeed. it seemed like a good fit to bring Quinn on and just kind of see how this pairing goes. Yeah. Uh, so, Quinn, this is... Uh, so, our, our pairing with Quinn. Uh, he, you are our pairing tonight. Yeah. Ooh. Quinn the medicine man. Oh, go Quinn, oh, the, no. Quinn the Eskimo instead. Okay, yeah, Quinn the Eskimo. <laughs> so uh, we'll welcome Quinn to the show. We'll get his uh, thoughts on this pairing as well. Randy, how are things on the left coast? It is amazing out here. We got great weather. Oh, you know what? I got to share. Um, so I, my son had a checkup today. And, and and like as a parent, if you have young kids, I'm sure everyone's dealt with this. You always feel like whether it's accurate or not, you always feel like your kid's kind of like ahead of the curve a little bit. And sure enough, the doctors was like, oh well, developmentally he's well ahead of the curve, and so he's he's gigantic. His head's huge. I'm thinking <laughs> he's got must have a huge brain. Uh, so so uh, so that was really good news. You know, things are. Good at work. Did Life they did they did they check his prostate? And make sure that's all in order. Or is that uh... <laughs> no, no? I left them know to stay away from, stay away from mine, stay away from his. That's, that's, uh, we're not doing that. Um, but I'm super excited to continue uh, on with Habano. So today, uh, we will all be smoking uh, Ecuadorian Habano wrapped cigars. Mm. And uh, mm. at least if the guys got it right, I haven't checked in with them on their beer yet. We will be pairing that with. A Belgian triple, which I have full glasses everywhere, and yet the bottle's still full, so I didn't do something right. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I will be getting a, a Belgian triple poured here momentarily. Randy, uh, so uh, boom! Audience question: How's how's the uh, Dojo Class Pet Snake? Oh, great! Uh, yeah, I'd love to <laughs> give an update. We got some ups and downs there, so I gotta tell you guys. So. I literally only got this snake because I, my, my manager at work, he raises uh, ball pythons. And so it was his idea that I get a snake. And when I said, well, you know, my wife's really not into that. We got the young one at home. She's not comfortable with it. He responds with, uh, no problem. I'm going to raise one at work in my office. You can too. And we're all going to have office snakes. Like that's a great idea. It's a ton of fun. My wife won't care. I'm gonna name it after a, a cigar. I name it Don Carlos. Everything's good. I get the cigar. No, I get the snake to work. Turns out, everyone at work is very, very uncomfortable with the idea that there's a snake in the building. Ah. And uh, and so I acquiesce. I can come to my wife. And I'm like, yeah, the snake hasn't gone over that well with with my coworkers. Everyone's pretty uncomfortable with it. It's starting to look like I should probably just do the right thing and bring it home. Um, Snakes at at food factories are usually not. Yeah, that's so know, it's probably a, some sort of violation. <laughs> I don't I I don't concern myself with trivial little details like that, Jordan. Um, so so anyhow, so I asked my wife, and I'm thinking she's going to be apprehensive, and she says, "Oh no, I totally understand. You know, bring it home if you have to." And I said, "Well, what do you think of the name Don Carlos?" 
and, and, and like I, I went off on this whole thing, how is he named Don Carlos? And it seemed all like Latin and, and uh, exotic to me. And then I realized my wife being Mexican that while Don Carlos sounds like this exotic name to us, to my wife, it sounds like maybe the guy that sells popsicles on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? I mean, come on. <laughs> Nothing per se. She's just like, Don Carlos? Like, that's a dumb name. It's <laughs> like naming him John Fred. Smith. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, Jordan, Jordan wow, had a John dog Smith. growing up. His name was Ned. So, you know. He was. What are you going to do? A cool dude. I like the name Don Carlos. So anyways, what did you what did you do? What how did you change it? What what's the name? So it took a few days. I had to get something that my wife could buy in on. So we went with uh, Greek mythology, the god of dreams and sleep is named Morpheus. Oh, and uh, oh. that's a pretty cool name. I so I wish you would have stuck with the cigar theme. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very disappointing. That's I, hear you. I, I hear you. I hear you. I I I wanted well, now she's going to be part of, you know, raising it. And I was like, so, <laughs> you know, you're mostly going to clean up after I'll feed it. You clean. No, I'm kidding. Um, but but I wanted her to, you know, have some say in it. She liked the idea of Greek mythology over cigars. So I uh, I was good with Morpheus. So I'm, I was a big Matrix fan. How big is this snake supposed to get? So uh, being a boy, he should max out at about four feet and uh, and about four inches in diameter uh a female will grow to five feet and oh really and oh yeah yeah the women the females get bigger the women be snakes <laughs> them those women. sexy women snakes <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> but uh but me being me like like i'm seriously already uh i've already got uh some in my shopping cart on the uh breeding site uh i'm i'm or on the the yeah the breeder site I'm thinking about getting a girl, and I'll probably raise them and start breeding them. Oh, so, thanks. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Does your wife know about this yet? <laughs> uh, well, I let her see the female that I was looking at. They've got this morph. I don't even know how to say the word. It's like anthraxpia, but they, they're black and silver. It has this very, like, Raiders vibe to it. And then I, the one I've already got is yellow and black. Raiders so I thought vibe. <laughs> A silver and black and, and a yellow and black could be a, a good a good blend for um, it, you know whatever I do as a female it's got to be uh, uh, one that will breed well with the het clown that I have so it's it's all about the breeding you know uh, you know I want to try some of these different breeds you can get like three to five thousand dollars for one of these baby snakes those uh, wow. those limited edition yeah. snakes yeah, yeah. you got to exactly. like just you got to put the two snakes together. Put on some sexy jazz music. Some Barry Manilow. Some Barry yeah. White. White. I was thinking Barry, Barry White. White. <laughs> yeah. Manilow might be a little nerdy. And for the, the next situation. thing you know, <laughs> baby snakes. <laughs> hey, uh, Randy, we have uh, this as our pairing. This. The West Mall triple. Oh. You know, Randy, uh, I feel like a couple years ago, I'd go to the liquor store and just every single craft brewery was just. You pick the litter, triples, doubles, quads. I go there today. That's not the thing anymore. There's no more that Belgians. No, we were stuck with the classics. The yeah, uh, no, it's it's tough, man. Uh, the the reality is, you're right. So when I start getting into craft beer, you know, in the early 2000s, uh, beer. If you wanted to drink anything other than domestic, it was still um, uh, overrun by imports so we were mostly drinking uh german lagers and and english uh bitters and um even some east block beers mostly we, you know we were dependent on on the uh, european uh beer scene and this is before craft beer totally exploded in america and when craft beer did explode we started basically by just emulating those imports that we were also used to drinking and where the only American styles you saw with great frequency was amber and IPA. IPA uh, of, of those days was uh, was a lot maltier. Uh, it was like strongly bitter with a lot of malt. They weren't the easy drinking, bright, refreshing uh, IPAs that we drink today. And so, um, so there's a lot more room for all these different styles. And as IPA has completely surged as the dominant uh, style in craft beer and Obviously, Belgian whites, um, you know, as uh, as Blue Moon came in and, uh, you know, turned a lot of 
domestic drinkers into a more flavor forward drinker. Um, you know, those were the styles that, uh, you know, now take over and, and, you know, back in the day, it would have been absolute brand suicide to try and have two IPAs. I remember uh, Ballast Point had two IPAs, and everyone was just like, so stupid. Why would you need two <laughs> IPAs? Like Big Eye and they had Sculpin, and, and everybody, like, ripped on them for it. Today, if you're not coming out with four IPAs every quarter, you're, no one's mentioning your name. You're not, brand, uh, you know, buzzworthy. Um, you can be a brewery not, to just as IPAs. A lot, there are. Yeah. There are several breweries that, like, at least 80% of their portfolio is rotating. You know, some are rotating, some are year-round. But, yeah, IPA uh, consumers are so rabid, and the, the demand for what's new is, is, you know, such a key element of, of what uh, consumers are looking for. That there's just not the bandwidth the brewers breweries anymore, and there's not the interest level by consumers anymore to continue to brew these great and very flavorful styles um, that I've grown up loving and I still love today. Um, it, you know, it's it's you know you're you're committing suicide if you don't have four IPAs. Don't, don't, you, I, don't I, you think it's like cyclical, Randy? Like it'll it'll come around and then maybe it's just sort of like Connecticut's in the cigar world, like. Yeah. You know, every six, eight years, it like kind of comes around. Like right now, we seem to be in this Cameroon sort of phase. Yeah. You know, like they are, is the beer world. I assume is sort of cyclical, like that. Absolutely, yeah. No, we've seen a small resurgences here and there. Of you know, uh, you know, a brewery like Firestone Walker makes Pivo Pills, uh, which makes a, a dry hopped or a hoppy Pilsner, kind of revitalizing Pilsner for a little while. So we see a little like jump up of that. I've been saying for like eight years that we're going to see Saison finally take its rightful place in the market and have every brewery clamoring to make a Saison. Um, I'll, I'll go to my grave still swearing that it's right around the corner. That's coming. That's I, I almost feel like that like almost happened a couple years ago and then we just kind of passed that time has passed. No, you're, no, you're right. At the time that I was saying that, you know, Funk Works out there by you yeah. guys in Fort Collins. They started out as an all Saison brewery. They had five different Saisons day one. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, unfortunately, you know, because uh, – so, yes, I do believe it's cyclical. Uh, the, the the thing that will, I think, continue to drive IPAs for still a significant more amount of years is that, uh, like we've talked with tobacco, the, the crossbreeding – um, and genetic ability to continue to come up with new varieties of hops keep changing the flavors. So it still says IPA on the label, but the flavors keep changing every five years. Like I said, you know, 20 years ago, they were very malt forward. They were amber in color. Now they're, you know, pale yellow. And the, uh, and the, the flavors have gone from, from citrus to fruity to now, you know, juicy is is the, you know, new, you know, push and, and flavor profile that people are looking for. So as long as they can continue to derive new flavor compounds um, and emphasize those in different hot varieties, I think that, uh, that IPAs will continue to ride that as consumers are excited about new flavors, uh, you know, at the end of the day. You know, uh, I got to tell a little story, you guys, about when I was in uh, high school. <laughs> when I was, like, in 10th grade, I was in social studies class, and the teacher came out, and he was all excited. Like, he, you know, he thought he was, like, some, like, sort of hip young dude. You know, like, he could relate, he could relate to, the, to the high school kids, <laughs> you know? And I remember him saying, Decent like... He's in his chair backwards. Yeah, he, he sat the chair in, backwards. He totally... He sat in his chair backwards. He kind of had some <laughs> facial hair, you know. He he could play frisbee at lunch, you know that kind of stuff. And I remember him coming out like, and he was like, "Guys, hey, I, guys, I got something for you guys." He's like, "You want to know?" Like back in the day, like Bud, it was Budweiser and Miller and Coors, you know, Schlitz and Schlitz and that kind of <laughs> stuff. And he was like, "Guys, I can tell you right now, you know what's going to be the next most popular beer in the world." And we were all just like, no, what? And he's like, Olympia. Olympia is going <laughs> to dominate the market because they have these funny commercials about artesian water and like they pretend like 
artesians are like actually like these little people that live under the earth. And it's so funny, man. This is going to be the next biggest thing. Dilly dilly. And I remember thinking like, that's not going to happen. No. And it did not happen. <laughs> did like, not. But that's oh. that. And when I was a high school kid, like craft beer was essentially like Schlitz and Olympia. Yeah. Like, you know, we didn't have what we life. have now. Yeah. You know? I hate that guy. Whoever it was. Quinn. Now, Quinn, you go up to Weldworks and Wiley Roots mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. Like, you're kind of a beer chaser kind of guy. Yeah. I think uh, it's it's interesting to see where the beers have come. I know Wiley Roots. They do a slushy beer that's actually comes out of a slushy. <laughs> it comes out of a slushy machine, just like it does at Seven Eleven. Now, some people might just be aghast when you just said that. Like, where's Randy? Beer purists, <laughs> but Randy's tried it and he and he knows how good it is. And I even said to myself when when Dominic, my other son, not Jordan, but my other son Dominic, said the next big thing is he's going to be these slushy beers. Yeah. Remember, we all kind of like, uh, what are you talking yeah. about? Until we had them. And it was a game changer. It was a game changer, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Well, they're like they're like Adwala juice in tech. Well, but Wiley Roots takes it even a step further. They actually like put these things in a slushy machine, and they come out like thicker. That like you know like this thing can stand above your glass. This yeah. is the top of your glass. This is the beer up here. So they so they're actually making like a blended margarita type. Uh, right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So they basically take. Because I'll, I'll tell you, I as soon as Jordan was the first one to mention slushy beers to me, and I was like, please tell me. <laughs> I, I, I had to check the calendar. Like, is it April 1st? Because yeah, I really hope this is a hoax. Um, the, uh, but, but, to, but to your guys' point, the, uh, um, the beers that you guys turned me on to from Weldworks, uh, Game Changer, you're right. It, absolutely exceptional. The Fruit Camp beers. So that everyone's uh, aware, Kevin Acuff knows the orange creamsicle yeah. is, is the one that we had when we were all out there. I think you and actually snuck some of that back for testing purposes, right? I, I did. I'm deconstructing it with the brewery uh, <laughs> as, as we speak. Uh, we will brew something like that, I promise. Um, but but, but as, as, a, as a beer knowledgeable person, I, I can taste that and I know exactly what they did to do it. I get the technique. What you're talking about with Wiley Roots is they take that and then they just add ice and they put it in a slushy as a gimmick. I think uh, so, and, basically. And, yeah, and yeah. everyone here is against gimmicks in general, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> until <laughs> October second. Who dog you? <laughs> you, sly, you sly dog. <laughs> no, but 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 Randy, as a beer guy that you are, when you and you kind of just you kind of hinted on this a second ago, but you were like aghast when you heard this, but. No. The, it, that just goes to show you that there's such a wide there's still things yet to be discovered like you think like every song that could ever have been written Quinn has been written it's only you know? a couple Ev- of chords every note yeah. that could go together has gone together but that's not true no there's like, still more there's still <laughs> more <laughs> there's still, <laughs> there's still <laughs> things <laughs> we can invent that are good and that those crazy slushy beers are are good yeah they really are yeah I think one of the tried and true my favorites from Oscar Blues is Death by Coconut. Comes no! Mm. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, that's delicious. <laughs> it's like a Mounds bar in a can. But it's, it, they only release it in the winter months. But it is, it's delicious. No, it's a fantastic. I actually like the Death by Coconut quite a bit. I paired that with, um, I think I talked about this when we had Fred Rui on. We did the bacon pairing. I did a, a, a public demonstration and pairing with beer and paired with uh, jalapeno bacon and they use both coconut milk and toasted coconut in that beer and the coconut milk is a natural um uh uh, what's it called it it opposes the capsaicin on your palate so that you you get the heat and the burn from the uh dehydrated jalapeno and then you hit it with the the beer with the coconut milk and it immediately soothes that burn uh, it's a really cool uh, effect and great pairing, actually. Love that beer. Randy, what are we supposed to be tasting with these dang triples? All right, yes. so here we go. Let's yes. get into this pairing right now. And uh, maybe just contrast the double. Just, you know, maybe just a quick refresher. You you got it. I appreciate you getting us back on track here, Jordan. I would be remiss to, to uh, 
not mention our show sponsor. Every show is sponsored by Drew Estate. I'm not going to go with any of these silly reads that Jack uh, has written me. <laughs> and I'm just going to say something unintentionally on the air. I'm just going to tell you, you all know Drew Estate. They're not only a fantastic manufacturer of some of our favorite cigars, tried and true ones, uh, like the Liga Privada series. Uh, but if you're the type a cigar smoker like a lot of us are uh, you know looking for what is new and looking for new flavors like we've been talking about that we look for in beer drew estate's got you covered there too uh they came out with i believe nine new cigars this year a uh, new addition to the herrera esteli line with the new herrera esteli broadleaf which is a really exciting thing you know it's the same manufacturer that brought us uh that changed the industry by uh, uh by releasing the Liga Privada and repopularizing the Broadleaf uh, Maduro wrappers. Um, they've now had Willie incorporate that into his line and uh, very excited about that one. That one's coming in a Lancero. So Drew Estate, check out what, what they've got. You know you, where you can find them. Uh, they are, uh, appreciate that, Chad. Uh, but uh, DrewEstate.com Drew forward slash store locator. Find a store near you and experience the rebirth of, of cigars. cigars. See, and that, and that was that, without a read. I, I got this. Yeah, you don't I, need, I, I don't like need it, a you know? teleprompter. You don't even need to talk about yeah. Jack's hairdo or anything. That was great. <laughs> I, although and, uh, Jack's reads were pretty hilarious, though. Oh, they're great. They're, they're fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to get it to where he provides me a new read for every rapper, but uh, I don't want to make any promises to anyone out there in Dojo Land. And, well, I'm taking this quick moment to address the audience. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we always appreciate the share on your site. Um, please share the show. We'd love to pick up new listeners and share our experiences with beer and cigars and like other alcoholic libations and non-alcoholic beers, non-alcoholic beverages as well. And if you're uh, listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, rate us a five star. If you're not going to rate us a five star, or just just don't bother. Uh, <laughs> and then subscribe, and uh, and, we, and we appreciate that. Uh, let's do a quick round robin before we really get into this. Again, I am smoking the original My Father from My Father's Cigars. We'll talk a little bit about that cigar. Uh, but we didn't all get the exact same cigar. If we can do a quick uh, round the table and find out what everyone's smoking tonight. All right, Quinn, what do you got? All right, I got the uh, Las... How do you say it, Randy? I knew I was going to butcher it. <laughs> Flor de no, las Antillas. No, 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 let us try. Oh, let him try. sorry. I'll, I'll tell you at the end. You try, though. Antillas? No. Well, it's not just called Antillas. No, the, the whole... Flora de las Antillas. How's hey, that? That was very good. All that right. That was very good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Me and Jordan both got the La Promesa. Fantastic. Well, you even said yeah. your one pretty good. Yeah, so yeah. Our, our local shop had no original My Father's, which was sort of odd. The original one, I remember, was one of the first cigars we got into when we yeah. got into yeah. cigars. And one of our good buddies that was smoked with us at the time described it like this tastes like christmas mm, and yeah. it, it does the original one little, I like little, that. little pine needle characteristics cinnamon yeah. and christmas sure. and nutmeg right all that I, good I, spice you get one of those christmas baskets you know they got all I the like. oranges and spices in them <laughs> you know when those oranges have like those things pushed into them whatever those are what, what the little juicy straw deal no no no, no. they got those little like uh, pokey uh, it's like, <laughs> like a, a cinnamon like or a cinnamon a seed or oh, what? What are those oh. things? A cinnamon stick? <laughs> no, it's what, like a pokey. You know like it's, it's a clove. It's a clove. It's a clove. Okay. It's a clove. Oh, yeah, clove. they look like little goat heads. Is that what a clove yeah. looks like? Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> yes, yes. It looks, it looks like, like one of those like thorns. when you're like walking yeah. through the weeds and you get like a uh, like a thing stuck in your sock. One of those that's things. A clove. Yeah. Well, fantastic. I'm glad everyone was able to find cigars from uh, my father. Uh, as with all of our shows, all the cigars are sponsored by Smoke In, our number one top favorite online retailer. And if you're in the Florida area, I believe he has 13, seven, 13. 13 stores. 12 or 13? Uh, yeah. Brick and mortar. Several of them actually have bars. Fantastic places to hang out. I love the Smoke In. Thank you, Smoke In. For, uh, i got to uh, tell you, Randy, Randy, the West Palm Beach and the Boynton Beach stores. Boom. Boom. If I, I, Quinn, I dream about if we had shops like that here in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Because we don't. No, well, Smokin' does it right. They, yeah. that, those shops are, that, that would, if I, here's the scary part. If I lived in that area, 
I would probably be at the Boynton Beach store every single day for like nine hours. Yeah, that'd be all right. So yeah, it would be all right, but it would also probably cause a divorce. Well, they, they have one up. They have one up in the Fort Pierce area that I've been to, and it's a great location. Huge walk-in, tons of stuff. You could find all sorts of good stuff hiding. Don't they even have some outside of Florida? No, no. It's only South South Florida. No. Only South Florida. Not bad. You're bad. You're uh, dumb. All right. So uh, cruising along as we go here, um, talk a little bit about this original. My father, when the my father was originally uh, blended. Uh, you know, this brand is so synonymous with the legendary, in my opinion, one of the greatest blenders uh, uh, of all time. I know uh, we, we've had this, this discussion. There's some other names in the in uh, the conversation there. But Don Pepin Garcia, to me, has um, one of the widest breadth of portfolios of different flavor uh, uh, profiles that he's put together between his own brand, the Tatuaje brand, La Tatelier, um, as well as everyone and that watches this show knows I'm a big fan of La Roma de Cuba. Um, and so uh, so I, I, I'm just a huge fan. But this cigar was actually blended in secrecy by his son, Jaime Gar- Garcia, when the factory was still named uh, El Rey de los, uh, Hava- de los Havanos, um, which was the original name that Don Pepin Garcia had uh, had named his factory in Miami when he had moved from Cuba, uh, you know, born and raised in Cuba, learned how to roll there. And his son made this for him as a as a special you know present um, uh, in honor of his father. Hence the name, my father. Uh, it immediately won uh, the uh, cigar aficionados top number one cigar of the year, and uh, they decided to baptize the new factory in Esteli, my father's cigars, and so the name was changed. Um, Something really interesting. So all three of the cigars that we're smoking by the four of us uh, here on the show tonight, they're all wrapped in Ecuadorian Habano uh, wrappers. But what's interesting is that the one that Quinn has there, the La Flor de las Antillas, is, was originally a Nicaraguan puro and was um, a Nicaraguan Habano wrapped. And Don Pepin Garcia, you know, started working more and more with Ecuadorian tobacco, fell in love with the Ecuadorian Habano and actually changed the blend uh, because he thought that the Ecuadorian Habano he was able to source uh, was superior to um, the, the uh, Habano that he had previously been getting from Nicaragua. Uh, one of the other uh, special notes about this cigar, the original My Father, was this was the very first cigar that was uh, blended using the tobacco from their own uh, fields. So, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, like I said, he started in Miami and little Havana with a small, uh, just couple rollers, uh, really small factory as they expanded into Nicaragua. He also bought land and started growing tobacco. And so this, uh, blend right here was actually the first one that used any of their own, uh, estate grown tobacco. It's obviously a very uh, a special and, and, um, monumental kind of, uh, moment for the family. And then, uh, Don Pepin Garcia then ended up uh, blending the My Father Le Beju, which was um, a ode to his father, uh, which is why it's uh, Le Beju 1922. 1922 is a reference to the year his father was born. And, uh, and Le Beju is French for the jewel. And so that was uh, an ode to his father. Uh, as I said on, our, uh, on the Monday live, the second I slid this out of... Uh, the cellophane uh, to Sexy. kind of prep for for that uh, uh, for that live. I could tell right away this had a much more significant, like black pepper um, uh, aroma to it than either of the Havanos that we started this wrapper uh, section of, of the uh, season with. Um, just a quick reference: we started Habano with the late hour from Davidoff. And then we went to the um, Herrera Esteli by Drew Estate, both um, Ecuadorian Habana wrapped cigars. Um, with the late hour, it had that sweetness, had more of a white pepper in the retrohale. Uh, again, we got more pepper in the retrohale, but it was lighter pepper uh, from that uh, Herrera Esteli, where with this My Father, I'm getting a very, very significant um, black pepper. This has that Esteli character uh, all over it, very... Um, very woody, a lot of cedar, a lot of earth, um, very uh, complex and great depth to this cigar. So the difference, uh, Randy, I think, and I'm going to let Jordan talk about what he's experiencing, but with the La Promesa, 
Uh, is that how you say it, Jordan? Promesa. Promesa. Um, I kind of wished that this was a bigger Vitola gauge-wise mm. because I'm I, sometimes cedar and just paper flavor kind of cross mm-hmm. boundaries a little bit. And so, like, I'm, I'm torn between this tasting having a nice cedar flavor but also maybe just having a paperish, like a paper, hmm. as if you were smoking paper flavor. Jordan, what are you getting from yours right now? Um, I'm, mine's a bit darker than that. I would say like I'm getting like a lot of like um, like hard like uh, oak type stuff, earth. Um, at the beginning, it was very vegetal. Uh, it hasn't had too I much get that uh, too, yeah. sweetness to it. I kind of miss the um, like the bright and lively. Uh, Zesty cabinet spices of the original my father I think would pair really well with this with this beer this this one's a little darker um, clove that kind of stuff it's not it's not a bad pairing but I can totally I can imagine the what we're supposed to be pairing this with being amazing what do you think Quinn what are you getting from from your uh, from off, your off this one I'm getting a lot of like that light pepper and like leather cedary kind of smooth it's got a really soft finish it doesn't really linger on my mouth at all and uh so far with the beer, it's pairing really well. The citrus from the beer and stuff is kind of it's going together really, really well. Now, Quinn, you as a as a craft beer fanatic, do you delve much into these traditional style beers at all, or is this a little different for you? No, this is this is definitely out of my wheelhouse. Uh, usually on Friday nights, it's the cooler of weird beers that Quinn brings. Weird beer, <laughs> yeah, whatever I can find for the week. So it's it's nice to kind of go back to something. That's it's still a solid beer, but it's it's not as it's not ridiculous. I, I love the now you guys are gonna make fun of me. The mouthfeel on this beer <laughs> is insane. <laughs> you, once it touches the the tongue, it just goes and just fills your whole mouth. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right now, the beer is 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 doing me wonders. The cigar is playing a a sad sad third fiddle. For me, mm. for what, me. What's the second fiddle? The second fiddle is my incredible looks when I look <laughs> into the camera and my hair. Check out that hair. Whew. It's incredible. Whew. So it goes beer, hair, <laughs> then cigar. cigar. But no, no, I, I'm, I'm, when I lit this up, Quinn, when I lit it up and I tried the beer, I was like, oh, gosh, this is going to be a good pairing. Mm-hmm. But the more I do it, the longer this tasting goes on, I start to feel like I need more out of this cigar. And I'm wishing that my local... I wish we had a smoke in nearby because my local shop not having the OG... I remember... How do you not have a My Father in I your remember shop? loving, absolutely loving Randy, the OG, My Father. Like, that's one of my favorite cigars. I think the number three. I love that cigar so much. This particular version of the My Father is, for me, so far, falling seriously flat. How are you doing, Randy, on yours? So for me, um, I, you guys are going to think this is crazy because the second box of cigars I ever bought in my life was a My Father Le Bijou box. This is my first time ever smoking an original My no Father. No way. <laughs> uh, that's a fact. That's an absolute fact. And um, and I am ashamed of myself because I, I talk constantly about how much I like um, uh, My Father products in general regardless of how they're branded but anything that comes out of that building i'm gonna be excited about it and want to try and that i did, haven't gone back and i've had these in my position now this is a newer one but i have some uh, that i've been sitting on for a while and this is very full mouthfeel uh, you know you're right i i was um, i missed by not mentioning the cabinet spice characteristics of this cigar because um, I was so focused on that black pepper. It is that black pepper is complemented by a whole array of, uh, like you said, cinnamon. You've you've got a little bit of, uh, you got you got an allspice. You got you got a lot of spice. Mm-hmm. You, like you know, a lot of times the cinnamon can come off as like so overpowering. To me, this is like a whole like I wouldn't even know where to begin at guessing like how many different spices you might be able to perceive in it's this. It's almost blend. like uh, pumpkin spice, which right, is right. like. I think it's like five allspice, uh, right. cinnamon, nutmeg, exactly. and two others that I can't think of. Yeah, so so, <laughs> so, so to me, you know, all the, you know, the spice character it gives great complexity to it, um, 
And then, and, and I'm sorry, this whole thing was a diversion because uh, Jordan was trying to get us to talk about the beer. Uh, um, and, and you know what? And I think we were off air when you showed what, we, what beer we're drinking. I, I only said on Monday, I am drinking the Allagash Curio. Mm. This is a Belgian Golden Strong at 11% alcohol. I'll, t- I'll tell you in a minute why I don't think there's any difference uh, between a, uh, a Belgian Strong and a triple. Now, this one, the Curio from Allagash is actually aged in bourbon barrels, which I, which I would hope Eric can kind of uh, appreciate a little bit. Um, so that's a, that's a fantastic one. So what beer are you guys drinking? Jordan, uh, you got it over there. West Mom. Just a classic West Mom triple. Yeah. yeah uh, so. I think you guys did this one for, what pairing was that? A few uh, months ago. It might have been in the season one. I It was season one, but I believe it was the West Mall double that we actually right. did for the show. Um, and uh, West Mall is one of the Trappist breweries out of, out of Belgium. Hundreds and hundreds of years old. Um, made... Uh, by monks secular monks are actually in the brewing process and um why do they have to be <laughs> secular monks you know i mean what's, that's, that's what makes it special i just couldn't be monks couldn't, couldn't they just just be monks why do they have to why do they have to designate themselves as secular monks like that doesn't even make sense to me like dude you're a monk you're a religious monk you don't have to be a secular monk like doesn't even make sense i don't even know what that means it means that they're like uh, not religious. I know, but like as they're a just monk, monks. how does that? Well, well that makes them what so they're mean? not religious, so then they can brew beer. I, okay, but like <laughs> religious monks could brew beer. That's true. Randy, well, Randy, can religious monks brew beer? Like, well, what's wrong with that? Of course. But why that's, would they be monks if they were secular? Yeah, that's a really weird thing. I'll be perfectly frank and, and honest about my ignorance here. Uh, I am not a theology uh, buff. I didn't even know that secular meant without religion. Oh, yeah, are, are you are you really telling me that the monks that I've like be, ha, had so much respect for they're atheists? <laughs> no, that, that, I don't. I don't think so. Secular doesn't necessarily mean atheist. It just means that it's not guided by religion. Secular so it, music. It could be. <laughs> there could be huh. you know strains of religion in there, but I just don't see why they go to the trouble of you know like hey oh whoa whoa hey. I'm a secular monk. Then don't even say you're a monk. Just be like, I just brew beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, in, I, I, in Belgium, in a yeah. robe. <laughs> and I and I and I, sp- I get spanked by this board. <laughs> you know, like, I just don't. I don't know. Anyways, maybe maybe I there's no spanking you. for that. I, I wonder, like, if there's ever like a showdown, like between like the secular monks oh, and, the, yeah. and the regular monks. Like, do they ever like show up like in a in a abandoned parking lot to like duke it out? Anchorman you know? Style? Yeah, Anchorman. Exactly. Style. <laughs> Don't touch One of them's the hair. Got a trident. Yeah. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I, you, you you remind me of one of my favorite moments in Belgium. The first time I saw. Uh, two wait, wait, moments. wait, wait! Did you just say one of my favorite moments in Belgium? Isn't it Belgium? No, Belgium. You said Belgium. Belgium. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Just make yeah. sure. Make well, sure. Well, well, since you went there, I got to do it. Oh, jeez. Uh, the things from the country of Belgium. <laughs> Ends in U-M are Belgian A-N. Right. It's a very common thing. A lot of people say, oh, Belgium beers or Belgian Belgium monks. Uh, it's the same thing as saying an America beer rather than an American beer. So it's Belgian from the country of Belgium. I've never That's heard a- anybody do that, but I'm oh, sure it's a thing since you, it's ticking service. you off. I thought Randy just did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, right. And you picked up on it. So kudos to you. It's really common in beer circles. You know, when we're talking about Belgian beers, I've heard a lot of people reference Belgian beers. Um, and Le Fin du Monde is, uh, they also make a fantastic triple. They're actually out of Canada and are owned by Sapporo, but uh, make fantastic beer. Um, but I'll tell you, I was in Belgium one day and I'm walking down like Cobblestone Street, and sure enough, there's two like cloaked monks with the with the hairdo the whole nine like little friar monks and they're just schlepping beer on the corner <laughs> no they, they weren't like, <laughs> I, they had ropes as as belts i felt compelled i literally followed those guys for a quarter mile it was, it was like taking pictures of their backs <laughs> like, dude, dude, like, alone. I, was, I was so excited i was like i'm in belgium I bet they make beer. This is so exciting. <laughs> I, was, I was thrilled. Um, Randy, so what, do you, what do you think, Randy, like if you came across those same Belgian monks and they were, you know, brewers of this fine beer that we have and you handed them a, uh, 
Weldworks Fruit Camp. What do you think they would? Uh, how do you think they would <laughs> what react? Would they just say? What would they say to that? Like, do you think they would just like, like, just like spit on your face until you're going to hell, or what? What would happen? They wouldn't even think it was no. beer. Yeah, no. You know what? To be honest with you, Bel- the Belgians, in as far as Western Europe uh, beer production is concerned, they are the Weldworks of Western Europe. It's it's Germany that had mm. the purity laws wow. and, and we're, we're, we're so devout to these very strict guidelines. It was the Belgians that said, well, why do we have to have guidelines? I, I have <laughs> fruits right here and I have I have unmalted wheat. Why wouldn't I try and use those? Mm. So Belgians uh, historically are the more rebellious oh. um, uh, uh, brewers. And I, I think that they would taste that and feel the same way that I did of challenged of what did they do to create that mouthfeel? Because that's okay. one of the main things of, of those fruit camps. It's higher. I, I, I would bet. I would bet uh, an annual salary that it is just super, super high levels of lactose that creates that very distinct mouthfeel and and difference that you get in those fruit fruit camps. Because uh, they're they're on a base of a fruit goza, which is isn't the most popular and and mass. Um, mass market style but it's known you know uh gozas have been uh had a resurgence over so the last 10 the, years the style on the can the style those. doesn't say goza but you think it actually is it, it says like sour wheat ale or something yeah i think it probably says kettle sour yeah. which is a more yeah. generic term right. so so historically in traditional styles you have two kettle sour uh styles traditionally recognized it's a berliner weiss uh which is a german style that historically is sub four percent ABV and uses sea salt as one of the uh, flavor ingredients. And then it was also typically served with either Woodruff or raspberry syrup to add a little bit of sweetness back to it and a little bit of flavor on a very sour base. And then there was the Goza, uh, which is also a German style, but was a little over 4%, like low 4%, uh, um, and uh, and just a little bit different than... Um, I'm sorry, it's Goza that had the sea salt, not Berliner Weiss. I Isn't it Goose that, that has the, the syrup? No, Goose is a Belgian-style, totally separate thing. Oh. Goza, G-O-S-E, is a, is a low-ABV German uh, kettle sour. A Goose is a one-year, a two-year, and a three-year age lambic blended. Mm. Right, right. Um, and so those are barrel, uh, barrel aged and soured, uh, for, so they're a lot more complex. They have oak characteristics in them where it goes is just kettle soured in the stainless steel, uh, vat. And so, um, so you're, you're splitting hairs for me to say a goza versus a kettle sour. You're, they're, they're more accurate. It's no longer a goza cause they've jacked up the ABV, um, and they probably aren't adding salt anymore. Right. So, so then it becomes undefined kind of uh, uh, style terminology. So then it just takes on this very generic kettle sour. Um, so, uh, so I, I probably should stop referring to them as, as specifically as gozas. Um, it is just a more generic kettle sour. But then the fruit addition and then tons of lactose is what gives that almost milkshake kind of character to it and that super high viscous mouthfeel um, that makes that such a unique beverage because you don't usually get so much mouthfeel and kind of sweetness uh, with a soured beer like that. Um, really, really unique. I really like what uh, Weldworks is doing and I wasn't kidding. I, I did smuggle one back. Thank you, Patrick, for bringing those out for us and letting me swipe a couple so I can bring them back. <laughs> California. Randy, why are monks renowned for brewing beer? What's mm, going on there? That's interesting, yeah. Well, because it was so unique and because it was so rebellious, because at the time, you know, the, 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 two, uh, the two pillars of uh, beer production were England and Germany, um, and they were both very, very traditional in, in their techniques and in their styles, that Germany virtually exclusively makes lagers, and uh, England makes exclusively... Um, ales, which are fruitier and you know linger on the palate more, while the lagers from Germany have a little bit brighter, crisper, cleaner finish. And then the Belgians, and, and, and both countries were hypersensitive to cleanliness and sanitation to not allow for um, uh, wild yeast or bacteria to come in and create create off flavors. And uh, Belgian 
just zigged when everybody else zagged. They, they pay no attention to cleanliness, and they have such a unique uh, microenvironment on the Seine River where, where all these breweries are located in, in Belgium that the natural wild yeasts that would normally be considered spoiling agents for most other countries are, are actually beneficial flavor contributors uh, to, to the beer. And so one of the like very um, romanticized aspects of these, you know, up to 800 to 1200 year old uh, monasteries where the monks are brewing the beer, they don't clean anything. So there's cobwebs that are hundreds of years old and just crust and crud all through the rafters and they leave the windows open so that the fresh air can come in. And so it was so wildly, you know, it would be considered the worst practices you could ever employ. And yet the liquid was, it was a new and different and innovative flavor with the sour character that, um, that, that like is always what has had them stand out so distinctly amongst other countries' uh, brewing strategies. But Randy, isn't, they, isn't there something about like, and, and, and now I'm, I, I'm just this like weird kind of memory. <laughs> isn't there something about like, you know, monks couldn't eat, they were fasting or something. So they, <laughs> they found a way to make bread into a liquid and that's how they could consume bread but yet not be eating and not violate religious sort of standards or something like that there there is stories of that that are that are absolutely true they they literally called beer liquid bread um and you know sustenance was defined as grain-based um uh, materials because literally bread was your like primary food source um you, you know eons ago right and um and then uh, that, that's also that story, that backstory is more closely tied typically to the Moss, which is the one liter glass that they would drink in Germany. It was the German monks that were allowed to drink one beer per day. Mm. And so they literally developed a one liter glass and so a one and a two liter glass of so the original steins, a lot of those like old ceramic and pewter top um, mugs that you'll, you'll see is in antique stores today. They developed these massive, <laughs> you know, vessels to drink out of just like just one beer. Okay, no problem. It doesn't I, count, I, right? <laughs> that's that uh, story, Randy. That story is exactly like the cigar story, which I don't know how true this is, Quinn. But the the cigar story about Calibres is like, you know, the guys at the factory could bring home one cigar. Okay. They could bring home one cigar, so they would roll three cigars and intertwine them together, and then they could bring home that one cigar, but it was actually three cigars. Jordan, am I remembering this totally I, wrong? Uh, yeah, I've heard this, this, these stories. I don't know if that's. I don't know if I buy that or not. I don't either, but hey, it's a fun story. Like, is it not? Who are they? Who are they fooling? Like they walk out of the factory, <laughs> and the guy was like. Looks like one cigar to me. No, that guy wasn't getting paid enough to care. He's like, it looks like he one. Was, that's he was good bringing enough. one home too. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> uh, you know in, in the olden days, so much of that was uh, often driven by taxation, and so like uh, the the way that they would write the tax laws, because uh, beer beer was part of that. And like, if you look at Westmail um, or any of the old Trappist breweries, you'll see a lot of the uh, rather than calling it a double or a triple, you'll see it. Um, denoted as an eight, a ten, and a twelve, and those were how many? I think pence was was the uh, Mike pence. was the currency of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, 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 and no, that, that that was literally a thing of just like, well, this is the this one costs eight eight pence, and and, and it was always uh, determined by how much um, you, you know grain you put in. So back then, you know, it could have been you know that a cigar was literally defined by. Uh, you know, held together by uh, tobacco or twine, and they're just like, well, shoot, we can do several. And so a lot of that was taxation. But but I mean, it makes a ton of sense if if the masters of the plantation said, well, the workers can have one cigar, and we define one cigar as anything you know held together by nothing more than what they have on their table. And they're just like, oh, I got this little roll of twine right here. <laughs> so, I think I think the thing I think that maybe the thing that like destroys that theory is like if that was really the case 
Like I would make like a thirty-seven. <laughs> yeah, why are we cigar, doing three? Why are we doing three? Know, Come on. A thirty-seven cigar colibre would look like this. You know, it'd be, it'd be this long yeah. and it'd be this fat, and I'd bring it home and I'd be like a box of cigars all intertwined together. All right, let's get into this pairing, uh, Randy. But I guess we'll start. Um, Quinn, uh, you're you've been uh, sitting here for the last hour drinking this uh, Belgian triple, and you've had this. Uh, my father. Totally sloshed, obviously. Uh, yes. Tell us your thoughts. Does it mix well? What are you getting? Is this a good pairing? Just kind of give us your overview on what you think so far. It has not disappointed. I think that Ecuadorian Habano plays really well off this triple. Like I was saying earlier, the the white pepper notes with that citrus that's coming off of the beer, but neither one of them are heavy, so they both finish smooth, and you're ready for the next puff or the next next sip, I think. And I, I've really enjoyed it up to this point. So you, it sounds like you're sort of giving it the thumbs up. Absolutely. You're giving it the thumbs up. Definitely. Now, as uh, this is sort of a more traditional cigar, obviously a Habano wrapper is a very traditional wrapper, and this beer is a very traditional beer. Do you think that the fact that these are both old school traditional products plays into that, uh, that you like it so much? I think a little bit, but even like the Herrera Esteli, the original, is probably one of my go-to cigars to begin with. And having that Ecuadorian Habano wrapper on that also, even with the goofy beers, the the IPAs, the sours, I enjoy it. I think they play well because the, the Ecuadorian doesn't bring too much to the table to where it starts to pull away from the beers. Right. The, Equ- the Ecuadorian Habano and just Habanos in general are a bit of a like a neutral spot in the spectrum Mm -hmm. so like it's a neutral you know it's typically defined by that cabinet spice um you're you kind of know what you're getting into for the most part um and this beer is very traditional and you kind of know what you're getting into it for the most part jordan uh what are your thoughts on your uh, la promesa and the belgian triple um i think like i was saying earlier i think it would i think if i had done the cigar that we're supposed to be smoking it would have been really really good I'll still give it a thumbs up. Um, you know, there's still these spice components that are going with the beer. Um, but then there's other notes that are like the beer has like these banana type flavors that don't, you know, correlate to the dark flavor of the La Permesa. Um, it's uh, and caramel is kind of a flavor hook as well. Um, it's good. It's not it's not it's not perfect, but it's good enough. All right. I'll go before uh, Randy. We'll let Randy sort of wrap it up since he has the official pairing, uh, so to speak. I'm going to go thumbs down. Um, I think that the Belgian Triple is a great beer, especially in contrast to all of the crazy beers that we have. Like it's it's so fun to go back to this very traditional beer that has a ton of flavor, and it, like Jordan says, it kind of explodes into your mouth. Um, it is an excellent beer, but the cigar with the beer tastes a bit flat, a bit papery to me. On my tongue, I do get some cedar, but just not nearly enough. And the cabinet spice is run over by the beer itself. And they aren't, to me, these two are not helping one another. So I'm going to have to give it a thumbs down, unfortunately. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of my father's cigars, and uh, obviously I love this beer, but this particular cigar is getting run over by the beer. Not a great pairing, in my opinion. Randy, here you go. You are the one, only guy that has the the actual official, the actual pairing. How's it going on your end? Well, I'll tell I'll tell you guys. Um, interesting hearing you guys go through it, and I love hearing you you uh, reference some of the flavors. Clearly, my curio is um, quite a quite a variance from the West Mall. Again, having that uh, that bourbon barrel aging, I do get uh, a nice oaky character from the beer itself, and I don't have um, any significant fruit or caramel, which uh, this style typically uh, very much allows for at the very least. But I think the bourbon barrel aging maybe um, have uh, subdued some of that fruit character. But both the cigar and the beer have a very full mouth feel. They both linger on the. Uh, uh, nice to see you uh, joining in, Patrick. Uh, they, they they both have a great spice character. They both bring uh, um, 
kind of a concert of, of different spice characteristics. I wouldn't even, uh, you know, just label it just pepper or just um, cinnamon. It's 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 a whole concert of, of different flavors. And as I always say, you know, the best pairings that we have had on this show are always one that just leaves me with no no other description other than it is, you know, the pairing of the two is the sum is greater than that of its parts. Uh, I, I think that smoking this cigar with this beer makes both the beer and the cigar better. This is an enthusiastic thumbs up, and we didn't talk about this before the show. In in, in my my good partner and, and very good friends' uh, uh, absence today, I'd like to go ahead and just give this a double thumbs up. Oh! oh! <laughs> I'll, I'll clear that. This has Rob never been it. done before. <laughs> This is the first and only time I've ever given a double thumbs up. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my buddy Rob as uh, he very quietly and humbly had his birthday over the past week. And so I want to wish Robbie Raz a very happy birthday. We love you, buddy. The show isn't the same without you. We can't wait to see you next week. He's 27. uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, except with a four in front. Um, and uh, I want to thank all you guys there in, in, at the dojo headquarters. Four hundred twenty-seven uh, years old. Eric, Eric, Jordan, and Quinn. Uh, thank you guys for for uh, helping out, being part of the show today. In Rob's oh, yeah. absence, it, it wouldn't have been the same. You know, uh, nobody would tune in if it was just me and a camera. Absolutely uh, <laughs> not. <laughs> so, so I appreciate that greatly. Let's run through our housekeeping and. Uh, Man, I got to say, before you you say anything about next week or this coming week, Eric, I did get a chance to watch the uh, Bourbon Junkies on Smoke Night Live last week. I thought that was a fantastic show. A lot of fun. Totally different uh, different kind of concept. You know, I, I think everybody that watches the show, a lot of us are, are big bourbon fans. That was really cool to have them on. So thanks for uh, thinking outside of the box and bringing them I'm in. Uh, great show. I got to just say to both you and Jordan. But uh, but let's hear about uh, this coming Friday. What's going on at Smoke Night Live? So Smoke Night Live is our third edition of the First Impression Show. And we're going to have Emmett Malone sitting where Quinn is right now from Blyman's Puff. We'll have myself, of course, and, and Jordan. And then uh, remotely, uh, we will have Nick Libretti from Jared Cigars. And our good buddy, Randy Griggs. And so here's what we're going to do Friday night. We're each going to have two cigars that we've never smoked before. And we will give each cigar 25 minutes to make a first impression. You know, Quinn, they say you only get one chance to make a first impression. So the cigars have to grab our attention in that 25 minutes. We will rate them without ever smoking them before on the show. We've done this a couple times before. It's a really fun show. It's uh, it's one of our more popular themes that we've done in the past. So, Randy, we're looking forward to having you on that show. It's going to be fun. We'll give our uh, our ratings on the cigars that we've never smoked. I'm still picking my cigars. Uh, did you pick yours out yet, Randy, or no? Yeah, I believe. Well, uh, maybe maybe I'm going wishy washy. I have. Uh, I really want to do the one of the. Um, I did splurge and get the STFU uh, uh, pack from Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, if anyone isn't aware, you can go back to the Flavor Odyssey episode where we had Steve Saka on, and um, you know he's he's responding to everybody's uh, criticism that he may or may not have sweet tipped his cigar. So he did this vertical pairing, which I'm a big fan of, where he's got a a regular Sobra Mesa Brulee, a sweet-tipped, a double sweet-tipped, and then a uh, wild card that you don't know what it is in the pack. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to smoke that. Uh, he's got an October Wait, isn't there a, isn't there a triple sweet-tipped? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's no, it's, no, no. He, it, hasn't, he hasn't said what the other one is. It could oh. be regular sweet or double sweet. So there, there's two of, of one in the pack. Um, but in any event, uh, I'm hoping to smoke that and guess right. He's going to be announcing in October on a live show, uh, which was which. And so I'm hoping that, uh, that I can prove that my palate's worth a damn and that I can be <laughs> able to discern the difference, uh, uh, between them. And so I'm looking forward to, to that. And then, um, I, I, I was going to go with the Agonorsa leaf new anniversario 109 Maduro, but then I also got some, um, 
some exclusive uh, black label Hawaiian release, uh, release only for Hawaii. So mm. I got the Kato and the Lijero Hawaii. Okay. Um, and, and so those are brand new. Those just showed up this last week. And so, um, so, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm still going an back opinion that won't help anyone out in the country. In the continental U.S. at least. In all fairness, that Agonorsa leaf anniversario was was it was uh, blended in such a small uh, production. That's only going to help out a small amount of people. Uh, so both also. of those. So all your picks so far. <laughs> Jordan, stuff that only like 250 of us in the whole country got. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan exactly. is so mean, Quinn. Hey, that's all right. Hey, he's, somebody's he, got to be the voice reasonable. He, he's, he's got so, my back over he's here. So mean. Randy tries to get on, gets bullying, and Jordan shuts him down. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't wait, Randy. That's going to be a fun show. I'm so glad that you're going to be with us on Friday night. That's going to be awesome. Um, we'll be looking forward to that next week on Flavor Odyssey. Uh, it's the final episode of the habano leaf what's going on next wednesday a week from right now so uh we are going to be finishing up the habano leaf with the casa cuevas uh la mandaria which uh has a fun backstory it's a it's a take on their original habano it's got an open foot um uh, which i'm excited about you know we did that with the corojo with the uh the lunatic torch I think that'll be an interesting one since these shows are so specific on the rap relief. I think it'll be fun to have uh, that little bit of uh, smoking just a bunch and seeing what the um, what the rapper uh, does to change the the blend there. And we will be pairing that with, if I'm not mistaken, straight bourbon. Oh, now you're speaking my language. Yeah, that's, that's another nod to Eric. That should be every week. <laughs> that should Come be on. every single week. Yeah, I mean, no, that's going to be a fun show. They, uh, I got to say, the Casa Cuevas guys, we just recently had them a couple weeks ago on, on Smoke Night Live, Lewis and Alec Cuevas. Man, what a great what a great couple of guests that was. That was a, another really fun show. Cool guys, and like they had a great story, a, a history. So it'll be fun, Randy, to... To revisit and and finish up the Habana Leaf with them, and then after you do Habana Leaf, where do we go from there? So uh, obviously we'll we'll keep running with a wild card in between each rapper, and the wild card for next week, uh, for the week after next, is um, uh, we will be unveiling that pairing next Monday during the live, which I will again do because sure. Rob's been. Hey, come on, come on, I can do. <laughs> I can, you know what? So Rob's giving me so much, uh, uh, you know, was, uh, guff about not doing them, and then I do one, and I do it from the studio, and he's like, "Well, I think you should do it from somewhere else." You know, everyone's used to that background. <laughs> so now I'm going to be challenged to do next week's uh, live for, with uh, with a new setting, okay. but um, but then we will roll from there into Broadleaf Ooh, and finish off Broadleaf. the season with uh, with San Andreas. These guests are booked. Can I announce who's kicking yeah, off? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I got to be honest. Anybody that follows this show, follows the cigar industry, this is uh, my dream come true. We, we wrote down who we hoped to have represent each of these leaves as we went. To have, I mean, from the beginning, with Perdomo, with Connecticut, Dion Giolito with uh, Corojo, to, th- to then move on to uh, Pete Johnson with Sumatra. Uh, kicking off with Klaus Kellner of all people. Don't forget for about Habano. Saka. Saka uh, was Saka a surprise just, guest. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he just came on unannounced. We had Fred Rui for for one of our wild cards. None other for Broadleaf. Who would you who you guys are with me, right? If if you're making your dream list, who would you have kick off the Broadleaf? None other than the chief of Broadleaf himself, Nick Melillo. Ah! That's going to be amazing. Yeah, we're thrilled about that. We're going to pepper him with questions about uh, about Tabernacle, the 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 one the CT one fifty two version of that, how they differ from each other. So excited about because like, we all, all know he's a history buff. He's an encyclopedia of information. He's going to tell us everything there is from seed to cigar on broadleaf, and then none other than the repeat of bringing back Steve Saka to talk about San Andreas to finish off the season, uh, starting off with Sin Compromiso, uh, which is a very unique project that he's done that's unlike any other San Andreas that we've smoked. 
really excited to, to hear about the nice. details of that, you know, from, from the horse's mouth. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited because Rob and I won't have to talk at all that episode. So it, it, it'll almost be like a vacation week. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, really excited about how, how season two is going. I hope you guys are all enjoying the pairings. Uh, again, tonight was, uh, if you had got the right pairing, <clears throat> guys, uh, it, it was a fantastic pairing. Uh, I saw some comments from, from the, the crowd, Bill CD, Chad, you guys, we can always count on you. Appreciate you, get, you coming in and getting the right pairing. Looks like everybody enjoyed it. Thank you, everybody, for another fantastic show. And we will see you next week as the Odyssey continues.